welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like capital ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It would mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy. If you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy, you can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. My YouTube channel, I'm going to walk you through the 12 steps of leadership, and I'm talking good and bad leadership. And there's a book called Extreme Ownership 
by Jocko Willink that is instrumental into how I look at things and I've learned so many things from. So I'm going to go live in about two seconds here. I'm going to bring you over to YouTube. We're going to hang out for a little bit. We're going to blast through the 12 principles of extreme ownership. We're going to talk about live case studies. I'm going to try and get back to this room for some McSquell because I always love chopping it up with the Breakfast with Champions fam. We're going to hit go live in one second here. And yeah, let's, let's head over to YouTube and let's have a little bit of fun. And you can interact in the chat. That's one of the funnest parts about being with this crew. So good morning, everybody. What problem are we trying to solve today? Today we're going to try and identify how you can be in the right environment from a leadership perspective or how as a leader you can curate the right environment. You know, the right leadership can actually make all of the difference on whether or not you succeed or whether your team succeeds. I've seen this play out in many, many different ways. There's a thousand different company structures that I've seen, but I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I will find the books, I will read them, and then I'll try and bring you the knowledge. So today what we're going to do is we're actually going to go over Jocko Willing's 12 leadership principles and how they apply to real life. So just to give you a little bit of context before we get into it, Jocko Willink was actually a decorated retired Navy SEAL officer. He's now a business coach, but he was one of the main guys who was running the Bruiser Division overseas during one of the most war-torn times in, our, in the U.S. country's history during the Iraq conflict. And a lot of the concepts that he took from running his Navy SEAL team, he's brought into business and they do apply across all platforms. So I'm going to share a little presentation with you guys. I always enjoy showing you Grand Bend, Ontario, Canada. So this is where I'm actually located. We do have beaches in Canada, although everything is frozen right now. If you're on the live stream, I would love to know who you are, where you're from, and just drop in some comments about leadership because we are live on YouTube. We're live on Clubhouse. If you're not on Clubhouse, head over to Breakfast with Champions. It is a great place that we hang out. We talk about concepts like this every single day, and we level up together. But it's not about me. It's about the community. So I want everybody to follow each other. In the comments, I see Dora Marie in NYC. What's up, Dora? You are a gem. She does such a good job running this platform as well, too. But let's jump right into the presentation. So 12 Principles of Extreme Ownership. I wanted to drop the book in case anybody wanted to grab it. I am an eternal student. Like I said, not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm always looking to get ideas and then apply those ideas to my life and put them in the toolbox. So that this is me and Sirhan randomly. I don't know why that photo was there. My graphic designer must have dropped it in there. I own a real estate brokerage, a production company, an agency, and I'm good at real estate. I'm good at media, sales, and marketing. So I try and bring these forth to you guys, but I actually run a team. So before I get into the presentation, I'll give you a little context to my framework for why this is an important topic for me. So I started out out of a 250 square foot office with my wife in production, like any other real estate agent. I just wanted to sell one house. I was, didn't even have dreams and aspirations of doing what we're doing now. Then I sold the house. Then I wanted to sell a whole bunch of houses. Then I wanted to take over my city. Then I wanted to take over a bunch of cities. Now I have aspirations of having a global virtual platform and finding amazing people and empowering those people. My brokerage isn't your typical real estate brokerage. We're not a sales office. I don't recruit. I turned away about 35 people last year. I like being a bit of a contrarian. When I see everybody going down one pathway, I go down another. What we do do is find exceptional people that are multi-talented and draw the best out of them. Um, Roger Horvath is a good example of that. He's a 
high, high, high level helicopter pilot that flies Orange Air Ambulance for the city of London, Ontario. But he's also an investor and recently became a commercial realtor. He's probably in the audience. If anybody sees him down there, please pull him up. He's an absolute gem of a human being. But he came to me looking for a culture and a platform to just get better, right? No experience in the real estate industry. And he came into our organization. And what's really cool is watching somebody like Roger show up to our daily role play rooms, our daily huddle rooms, ask questions, coming to breakfast with champions. Those are the people I'm actually looking for because those are the people that I can definitely pour into and just provide a platform for them to become the best version of themselves, not so they can line my pockets so they can really just become the best version of themselves and create that life that we're all looking for. Right. And I do think the leadership aspect and the reason I told that story is what is the difference maker of if prime ends up being the right organization for Roger or not. If I say that I have, all these ambitions and I'm really putting forth people before myself, but I don't actually lead by example, he's going to be gone overnight, right? If Roger's just coming to prime for the easy button and he's not willing to put in the work, he's going to wash out really quick as well because he won't be a fit for the culture. So prime is a place where we'll provide the platform, the tools, the training, the branding, the accountability, the leads, all the things that you would need to find success. But unless Roger activates it, it's kind of all for naught, right? So you can have the leadership, but you got to keep in mind that in the organization from a user perspective, you have to make sure you're in the right culture fit and not all cultures are the right fit for the right people. So I'm going to share the 12 principles and blast through these. The first one and these blue quotes here are actually the quotes from the book, Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership. So the first principle is extreme ownership, probably my favorite principle, and it is number one. And it says the leader bears full responsibility for explaining the strategic mission, developing tactics, securing training and resources, and enabling the team to be properly successful at pro to properly and successfully execute the mission. It's interesting because when I look into the breakdown of this quote, passive and defensive leaders avoid blame by appealing to rules and shifting responsibility. I think we've all seen this case study live when something goes wrong. And instantly a leader turns around and starts saying, well, this happened because of this, the market conditions or the subordinate didn't do this, or, you know, we weren't successful because of this reason versus if something goes sideways in a, a deal that I'm doing, right? Say it's a listing. If something goes wrong in a listing and a client feels one way or another about it, I'm the one that needs to step back for a second and then address the issue and make myself the focus of the attention. Even if I was involved in a file with two other agents and for some reason the seller didn't decide to relist with us or continue the mandate, I could blame those people or I could step back and say, what did I do to not set them up for success? Did I not properly communicate my service delivery standards for that client? Was this a client of mine? Did I not effectively make the time to communicate with this client? What could I do? that would have led them to be in a better position and actually put the focus on myself as a leader. I think that's a mistake that a lot of leaders make is they instantly become defensive and they start pointing fingers. Um, in the book, I'll give you some little snippets into the book to get you excited about it. You know, they had um, a issue in Iraq where they had friendly fire, like the worst thing that can happen in the military where they actually were attacking another building and it was their own people that were in that building. And the master chief, the top 
lieutenants, all these people brought them in for a meeting. And Jocko was there as the leader and he had all his team and, you know, they, they could have had a thousand different ways that it worked out as to why that happened or whose fault it was and whatnot. And ultimately Jocko sat back and the people that were getting up were all taking individual ownership for why it happened. So as the master chief was asking whose fault was this, almost every person on that team stood up and said, it's my fault. And then Jocko stood up and said it was his fault as well because of how they had prepared for the actual mission. So just keep that in mind. You know, when things go sideways, don't point the finger at people. Make sure that you're looking at yourself first. Number two, not bad teams, bad leaders. Leaders must face the facts through a realistic, honest assessment of themselves and their team's performance. Identifying weaknesses, good leaders seek to strengthen them and come up with a plan to overcome challenges. Starts with the individual and spreads to each of the team members until this becomes the new standard. Achievement-oriented leaders take responsibility and ask themselves, how can I improve so my team's prepared for success? And this is like a forever thing. Great leaders are always looking for the what next. You know, people work really hard for a day and they're like, why, why isn't the world showing up for me? Why don't I have 10,000 followers? They drop one YouTube video and they're like, I should have a million. The content's amazing, but they're not looking to always improve. They're not looking to improve their thumbnails or their titles or their description or be in the right places and, and generate the effort and the, the effort and the momentum to really kind of break through. I'll use Glenn Lundy as an example. I've been with this guy for a year now and I have seen him just push through wall after wall after wall through these constant adaptations and it's fascinating because like i said the last two weeks in breakfast with champions has been incredible but i've noticed he's even gone back to basics with some things but his basics that maybe were at like a purple belt level are definitely at a black belt level now and you can see it in the cadence and it's almost effortless when he's executing and he did that by focusing on that improvement so that the team set up for success so case study back to what i was talking about earlier i'll talk real estate team case study to give you an example of how to identify weakness to overcome next step i was working on a file with jamie dots commercial real estate wizard hba very intelligent guy um i would argue to say we move quicker and are taking some of the biggest mandates from the largest commercial real estate companies on the planet. Like there's two or three companies that are like the gold standard. They've been around for 50 years. They have a lot of the relationships and the mandates, but we are equipped to move at a speed that they simply aren't. And the reason why we have a competitive advantage is because we're able to compartmentalize and go after a market in a very different way that has been the standard practice forever, right? Typically, the business happens one way. There's not a lot of information online. Gatekeepers are the ones that bring you the deals. And, you know, Jamie and I were stepping back yesterday and looking at a mandate that we got for one of the hardest asset classes in the market today. And that asset class typically has one way of getting it leased. Jamie and I chopped it up and we looked at ourselves. Jamie's analytical, HBA, numbers driven, and you know he's the numbers deal guy. He's the, the one that will look at the net net efficiency of a deal. Um, his background was actually doing consultations for aviation companies and finding inefficiencies with staffing and hours and time and resources. I'm 100% the art guy. I am the marketing. I am the lost leader of relationships of saying, yes, this is no ROI to what I'm spending on this relationship or even the money that I'm burning on this marketing or advertising campaign, but I know the impact it's going to have on a macro level. 
So we compartmentalized what our strengths and our weaknesses are, and we leaned on each other to lift up that other person's strength or, and weakness when they need it. So when Jamie's talking numbers and getting to the analytics of it, I'll step back and I'll let him take the forefront and I'll be there to support him. When I'm stepping back and saying, well, you know, we have to target a specific market of tenant for this building. How are we going to do that? I'm going to go after it from a marketing perspective. I'm going to use Google, YouTube, Facebook. I'm going to use Instagram, which is nuts. Nobody does that in the commercial space. Jamie's going to support me because he's actually seen it work, but we've only gotten there by sitting down and really chopping it up over what our strengths and weaknesses are. And also not being afraid to kind of be self-deprecating a little bit about it. The next step would be, or the next principle is being a believer. So leadership requires a deep belief in the mission. A leader who does not believe will not be able to inspire others to follow leaders receiving orders. They don't understand, must ask why. So if you're somebody that's getting direction from somebody that is absolutely doesn't believe in their own mission, you're not going to believe in their mission. And we all know what that feels like. We're being told to do something. We don't understand why. And it becomes very difficult for us to put forth the same effort. Flip it the other way where you're surrounded by somebody that has a depth of belief in what they're trying to accomplish. They've completely sold you on the mission and you know that they're going to push through. It's way easier to support that person and get hyped about that process than it would be on the other side. So I think leaders definitely need to be very clear about what they're trying to accomplish. I've failed at this in the past. You know, moving at the speed that we moved at and the growth that we experienced, I took it for granted that people knew what my intentions were and, you know, that I was effectively communicating it with the people around me or, you know, even that I had to trust to the point where they knew that I had their best intentions at heart or, or they understood what was happening in my head. I did this yesterday with a, uh, one of my team members that's been with me a very long time and I called him and I just checked in and I was like, hey, dude. Like this is where we're Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day right? We're, we're building the virtual platform. I'm trying to create an environment where you can go travel with your wife, still do deals, have the marketing, have the support, have the boots on the ground so that you can experience freedom and not feel like you're drowning and falling forward. But I asked him, is there anything that I'm not providing that I should be? And we had a great conversation and I got a whole bunch of insights, but the only way that I can get there is by being clear with my team members and communicating. Same tip works in business. If you are trying to get business or you're working with clients, over-communication is everything. Um, if I go back to that case study I just gave you guys about you know, working with a client that may not renew a listing contract, that's typically because you didn't communicate effectively with them. And keep in mind, you're on a mission. Whether you're working with a client or you're working with the team members, you're on a mission. So you got to make sure you're very clear about it. This is, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll switch it from Discipline or the extreme ownership to check the ego is my favorite principle. Um, I think everybody needs to check their ego and separate themselves from the business and the team and look at what's best for the actual team. Ego clouds and disrupts everything. The planning process, the ability to take good advice, the ability to accept constructive criticism, often the most difficult ego to deal with is your own. When personal agendas become more important than the team, 
The overarching mission success performance suffers and failure ensues. Ain't that the truth? Competent leaders, incompetent, sorry, I need to retype this before I send out this slide deck. Incompetent leaders often pit staff against each other in order to drive competition. This often leads to dysfunction and reduced performance. How many times have you seen that story actually play out? How often have you seen a leader put themselves in a position where they sacrifice the team so that they can get a little bit more clout? I think it is one of the most toxic things in any culture, in any leadership. And the flip side of that is an environment where the leader, the team members, the supporting staff are all able to put their egos aside and focus on the mission and be okay with the constructive criticism. Everything I spoke about earlier is how you achieve growth and success. Identifying, reviewing, restructuring, trying new things, realizing your strengths and weaknesses. All of that comes with you putting your ego aside and being okay with the fact that you're not perfect, but you're working towards growth. Perfectionism and growth are two very, very different things. I just noticed as well too, if you're on Clubhouse, um, click the link at the very top of the room. The chat is absolutely popping off. So I wanna say hi to some people that are here. I see Monica Ricci, she is a champion, that is for sure. I see Clarissa Bryant, thank you so much for being here as well too. I'd love to know what your thoughts are about putting the ego aside in leadership. I see Janice Jensen, she's here all the time. Kate Volman is absolutely killing it. She leads by example and it's been really interesting to watch Kate's newsletter grow. Um, Kate is a friend, she's a fellow champion and she's somebody that I collaborate with all the time. And we do this together, like we talk about what are we doing well? What can we improve on? And she's a good example of putting the ego aside and saying, what's the best for my audience? So shout out to her. Success, fat, success, fat motivation. Good morning, Tom Popelka. Dora Maria, I love you so much. You are phenomenal. Amanda Dahl is one of the biggest champions out there. And she says leaders must own everything in their world. There's no one else to blame. That is so, so true. I got a photo of Jocko Willink. On my back wall, he keeps me going. And I'll get through some of the other comments later. If you wanna join the live stream, just click the link at the top of the room. Also this slide deck with the 12 principles for extreme ownership. I will give it away for free after. Um, if you go to justinconico.com slash resources, I'll flip you a copy of it, hopefully later this afternoon. I'm checking my ego. I gotta get better at the automation so you can just click it and get it right away. But I do these super early in the morning. So I haven't really dialed that in quite yet, but I'm working on it. So the next principle is cover and move. Often when smaller teams within the team get so focused on their immediate task, they forget about what others are doing and how they can depend on teams. They may start to compete with one another. And when there are obstacles, animosity and blame develops and falls on leaders to keep perspective on the overall team's strategic mission and remind them, their team, that they are part of a greater team and strategic mission is paramount. Um, I'm going to use Breakfast with Champions as an example. If you're on YouTube watching this, you're missing out because Clubhouse and Breakfast with Champions is a great spot. I'm actually on it live right now and streaming on Breakfast with Champions and YouTube. It's been very helpful for me to get these videos done on a more consistent basis. So shout out and thank you for that. But if you look at this group of people, we're all Ronins from all walks of life. You know, Glenn provides the platform. We're all doing different things in this world. But it's interesting because in the entrepreneurial space, you would think, well, you know, it's competitive, it's collaborative. I, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You know, people that are running, say, coaching platforms, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna run this coaching platform, and you're gonna take my types of clients. And you know, if I'm working towards this, and you're working towards that, you can see how there's conflict and things could explode. But with the right leadership, it can actually compound and it can actually raise you to another level if there's transparency 
and good intent. And it all stems from the leadership. If there's a lack of transparency in the leadership, and like I said earlier, a lack of direction from the mission perspective and the support perspective and the ego perspective, a lot of times you will have that fractured. So cover and move is that principle of making sure that you're aware of where all those people are around you, what they're working towards, supporting them, even though you're working on your own thing. Um, Lolita Walker is a great example of that. Just dropped a book. Everybody should grab a copy of it. I'm going to bring her on my Instagram live later, introduce her to my audience because they may not know who she is and then focus on what I'm focusing on so she can focus on what she's focusing on. I'm going back to that story in Ramadi of the friendly fire mission. Had they been aware of what was happening in the different buildings and where the other teams were, that wouldn't have actually happened. So cover move is a very important principle. Principle number six, keep it simple. Simplifying as much as possible is crucial for success. When plans and orders are too complicated, some, sorry, when plans and orders are too complicated, people may not understand them. When things go wrong and they inevitably do go wrong, complexity compounds issues that can spiral out of control into a total disaster. So I mentioned I'm an eternal student. One of my mentors that has been helping me a lot over the last year taught me something recently. And he taught me that if you can control everything that happens till about 10 a.m. after that, your day is going to explode, right? You can plan, you can plan, you can plan. But when things go wrong, how is your complex plan going to shake out? And Jocko talks about this in the book. He gives some amazing stories about how when they're sitting down and they're working on a deployment, you could sit down and you can have every step of the, of the deployment planned out to the T, but the more complicated it is, the more likelihood that there's going to be a break in the chain somewhere. So if I'm looking to bring something to market, typically what I'm looking to do is do some digital branding, some print and organic branding. I'm looking to generate leads, convert those leads to phone calls, phone calls to qualifications, qualifications to sales, sales to contracts, or sorry, qualifications to showings, showings to contracts, contracts to closing, closing to past clients. I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible. I could have 32 steps in between every single one of those, but the more complex I make the steps, the more likelihood there's going to be that there's a break in the gap. Successful leaders are not perfectionists, but achievers of excellence. It's not about getting 100% better in one day. It's about 1% a day forever and just continuing to work and adapt through the complex plans. Principle number seven, prioritize and execute. Even the most competent leaders can be overwhelmed if they try and tackle multiple problems or a number of tasks simultaneously. The team will likely fail at each of those tasks. Instead, leaders must determine the highest priority tasks and execute. You want to get practical and tactical? The way that I like to plan my days is I've got four lists of where I'll compartmentalize things. So every morning at 7 a.m., I do what's called a brain dump. Everything in my head goes onto a piece of paper. I then have a digital brain. I use a free app called Trello. And I create four lists in Trello. Typically, list number one is urgent. The house is burning down. This absolutely has to get done today. I have a rule of thumb, no more than six items on my urgent list. Because I find that you typically, once you start get to 10, then it just becomes an easy excuse to just look at them and not actually do them. When there's six, it's kind of that number where you're going to look at it. You're going to get one done. Then there's only five. And then there's four, three, two, one. And if you have time, you can drop some of the other items into that list. Number two things I'd like to do today, things I, list number three is things I'd like to do this week. And then I have a someday list. So I keep it very simple, but I'll always look at the things I'm doing and then prioritize and execute. I have a quick little check-in in my schedule around 12 o'clock 
just to look at that list and say, well, how have my priorities changed and are there things that I need to prioritize above others? And I'll always look at the important things that are gonna really move the needle in my business. Because again, like I said earlier, you can get stuck in all of the minutia and overlook the things that will make the biggest difference in your business. Here's a great example. If you need help, you need to hire somebody. But I bet there are hundreds of you listening right now. There's 273 people, 800 people have been through the room in Breakfast with Champions. I would bet of the leaders running these organizations, 60 to 80% of them could tell me that at one point or another, they were so busy, so much was going on, they knew they needed to hire somebody, and probably weeks, if not months went by before they took the time to sit down and put up that ad on Indeed or take the time to make that critical hire. Yet, if they took the time to make the critical hire, compartmentalize time in their schedule to train that person effectively, they would have made time and made money because they would have prioritized and execute. So what are you working on right now that you need to prioritize above everything else? Maybe it's launching a YouTube channel so that you can create ultimate freedom. Even though this may not be the most dollar productive thing for me right now, I know the power of YouTube and what is possible with it. So I'm making it a priority. I would love to know from everybody that is on the live stream what your priority is right now. I want you to drop it in the comments. Lolita E. Walker, Justin inspired me to stream my podcast live. We rise together. You are uh, such a wonderful person and I'm so excited and I will be there to support you. Um, if you actually want a little bit of insight, Lolita, go to the podcast I shot yesterday with Benji Travis. I've brought him on Breakfast with Champions. He's got over 2 million subscribers across seven channels, billions of views, unbelievable story about what is possible with YouTube. And he actually breaks down every single step um, of the platform. And he actually deconstruction. Phenomenal, phenomenal guy. So principle number eight, decentralized command. Junior leaders must be empowered to make decisions on key tasks necessary to accomplish the mission in most effective and efficient manner possible. Every tactical team leader must understand not just what to do, but what they're doing. Junior leaders must also have implicit trust that their senior leaders will back their decisions. Without this trust, junior leaders cannot confidently execute. Case study, the way I run my brokerage, we're one of the only ones on the planet that does every asset class of real estate. So residential, investment, commercial, we do recreational, we do new development, but that's a lot of different things. There's no way that I can be in the weeds and an absolute expert at every single one of them. So I have my commanders in each division, in each silo. I mentioned Jamie Dodds, HBA, commercial real estate agent, really sharp guy, runs my commercial division with me. He has that complete empowerment to make decisions independent of me. I give him my own personal clients. I communicate with him what the end goal is, how important they are to me, my standard, you know, delivery, my service delivery standards, how I communicate with them, you know, how I treat my clients. But I also give him the trust that I'm not trying to handhold and micromanage everything he does. And this is one of the biggest keys to our growth at Prime is I have different leaders in every single, every single division. I spend more of my time communicating and empowering them than I do micromanaging them. Why? Because as you find people that you can empower and can run the things for you, it allows you to go into your strengths and go generate more business. My only focus every day, branding and sales. It seems like I'm doing a lot of other stuff if you look at our socials, but branding and sales, pipelines of business to the brokerage so that they never have to worry. If we have a market shift, we're going to be all right because I'm focusing on my strength and letting them focusing on them. I don't want employees. I want 
partners. So finding a team of people and empowering them is absolutely critical. Principle number nine, you have to actually plan. By giving frontline ownership of every small piece of the plan, you invite buy-in, you help them understand the reasons behind it, you allow them to invest more in the mission, which ultimately leads to much better implementation and execution. By involving frontline managers and gaining their buy-in, leaders can step back, identify broader strategic objectives, and identify weaknesses and holes in the plan that have been missed by those immersed in details. So this kind of sounds like the last one, but I want to take it at a different level. If you're with a leader and you don't really understand why they're focusing on the things they're focusing on, you need to realize their goal is to think three to five years ahead. What is happening in the marketplace now that's going to impact our goal down the road? Because what you're working on now is what you're going to be working on in 60, 90, 120 days, a year, two years from now. One of the things that I've always thought of at Prime is being a market leader, right? Making sure that we have a platform and attention that our clients just simply can't achieve without us. That has come with doing things like building a platform on Clubhouse, putting effort into YouTube, doing daily videos in 2012 that have over a thousand daily videos to today that actually has a real impact on my clients' businesses. At the time, I'm sure my direct reports and people within the company are like, why is Justin doing all these videos? They don't even work. I'm sure people are saying that about me on YouTube right now. Why is Justin doing all this effort on YouTube? It doesn't even work. Meanwhile, 12 o'clock yesterday, my phone rings and I pick up a brand new listing from somebody that found me on YouTube. And I don't even have that big of a channel. Like my personal channel right now, I, I think I'm at like just over 800. I just started this channel really working on it in May. My prime real estate channel has got, I think, 2,200 subs. Again, not a massive channel by any means, yet our phone rings 20 to 30 times a month from that channel. I picked up a $50 million file off a clubhouse talk. People think it doesn't work because they don't really understand where the puck is going. So as a leader, you have to be able to plan and step back and look at the macro so you can help your team succeed in the micro. Number 10, the principle number 10 of extreme ownership, leading up the chain of command. This is a good one. If your boss is making decisions in a timely manner, providing necessary support for you or your team, don't blame the boss. First, blame yourself. Examine what you can do better to convey the critical information for decisions to be made and support allocated. This is the best. So people will quit somewhere and then blame the leader or say, I left because this, 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 and this, but never actually have a conversation with the leader about what they need to change in order to achieve success or give that leader the opportunity to fix those things. And again, this is from the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. I think this is such a fascinating thing. The conversation I had with my direct report yesterday was exactly this. It was, you know, instead of being oppositional or avoidance, I simply asked him about what his passions were, where he was going and how I can better our platform to support him in that. You know, having that opportunity to give me feedback about the issues that he's having in his life and, you know, where he thinks he's going gives me the opportunity to build or fix something in the organization that maybe I wasn't even aware of. But it's a two-sided coin. So you may overlook a leader or an organization because you think what they are now is forever what they're going to be. But if you can get around the right leadership organization, they are likely moving and growing at such a speed that you could look back in a year and be like, oh, I think I should have stayed. Or I wish I would have communicated this a little bit better because there was a disconnect between the leadership and what I thought and what they were working on 
and what they were providing me versus what I thought they were actually providing. So the onus of care is on both parties to communicate. Principle number 11, act decisively. This is so key. There's no 100% right solution. The picture is never complete. Leaders must be comfortable with this, be able to make decisions properly, be ready to adjust quickly based on evolving situations and new information. Intelligence gathering research are important, but they must be employed with realistic expectations, must not impede swift decision-making, waiting for the 100% right and certain solution leads to delay in decisions and inability to execute. So if you are on stage or you're on the live stream and you are planning, you're planning your YouTube channel, you're planning your podcast, you're planning to start posting on social media and you're planning and you're planning, flash your mics if you've ever been paralyzed thinking I'm not ready yet. I don't have the gear. I don't have the photos. I don't know what to post. I'm not the expert yet. Meanwhile, what Benji Travis taught me yesterday in that YouTube session we did on the Prime People podcast was just press record. He showed me his earliest videos and it's fascinating to see the structure of them and how they were built and how much he's grown since then. He grew by doing, not by planning, right? Planning effectively is super important in making sure that you have a structure and a goal, but making decisions is even more important. Just going, right? And bringing people along with you that are going to give you the critical feedback, put the ego aside, work on the mission together is what's going to get you there. Sorry, we have a hot mic. If somebody could grab that, I would really, really appreciate that. So actually executing is so, so, so key. Perfectionist leaders are you know, just going to get stuck in the mud because they're always going to look back at, well, this didn't happen perfectly. Nothing happens perfectly in life. And it's messy, right? I'll use it, a case study of a real estate deal where we brought a product to market, thought we knew exactly who the avatar was, right? Launched the listing, marketing was on point, everything was on point. We're like, we got this. We know exactly who this, who this client type is. We go out for a week. We get like three to five showings on that property. So we could literally step back and try and work on perfecting the sales package, perfecting this, perfecting that. But instead, we look at the results of that deployment and we make an instant change and we start looking at, okay, let's step back. Let's look at what we can do differently. We'll try that. We'll look at the data and then we'll make adjustments from there. Speed kills. I can tell you, like I said, we are taking some of the largest mandates in our market, which some people would say we have no business doing, but it's because we have the ability to act very, very quickly, a much faster than a lot of the old school companies. I also think it's a huge competitive advantage for people that are in the spaces like Breakfast with Champions. That's why YouTubers have a larger reach than the large national news sources. If you actually look at the statistics, you know, there's one podcaster out there that has more reach than literally every large news network combined. And if that doesn't tell you where the future is going, then I don't know what will. So the very last principle of extreme ownership is discipline equals freedom. Instead of making us more rigid and unable to improvise, discipline made us more flexible, more adaptable, and more efficient. It allowed us to be creative. While increased discipline most often results in more freedom, there are some teams that become so restricted by imposed discipline that they inhibit their leader and team's ability to make decisions and think freely. If frontline leaders executing the mission lack the ability to adapt, this becomes detrimental to performance. That was a mouthful for 6.11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, but the crux of this discipline equals freedom principle is people could look at the way I run my schedule and my mind sweeping and my time blocking as, I don't want that life. It just, it seems so extreme. You know, I'm, I'm a free bird, right? I'm just going to float around and I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life. Not realizing the implied discipline gives me the freedom. 
the largest misnomer about me and the one thing that I have to combat more than anything else is Justin's too busy. They look at what I put out online. They look at my schedule. If I showed you my calendar, I'd give you a heart attack, but I'm live streaming on YouTube, so I can't really show you my calendar because it's personal stuff in there. That calendar gives me the freedom to do this session. That calendar gives me the freedom to answer my phone faster than almost anybody in my industry. That calendar gives me the freedom because I've created the discipline around the life that I want. It's not perfect. I don't want anybody to get, you know, scared or paralyzed by the fact that, well, I can't do that, right? It's a progress. It's taken me almost a decade to even figure out my morning routine. It's taken me about eight months to work on my nighttime routine. And it's taken me an entire lifetime to compartmentalize the things that are important to me and how that fits into my schedule. Faith, fitness, family, fun, finances. Those are my five. And the reason I have them in that order is if my heart and my mind is right with God, I'm in a better position to walk this earth. If my body and my mind is healthy, I'm in a better position to serve my family. My family's right under God. It would be fitness, or sorry, it'd be faith, and then it would be family for sure in order of importance. But the reason why I have to put fitness in there is I have a degenerative bone condition in my left hip. If I don't move my left hip, I can't really walk around really well, and then I can't take care of my family. So when my daughter wants me to pick her up, if I'm not taking care of my hip, I can't do that, right? So I got to be make sure I'm in the right spot. But if I don't take care of my family, then I'm not going to have fun. If my family's not happy, if wifey isn't happy, and I want to go fishing, or I want to go paddle boarding, or ride a bike on Grand Bend, like the wonderful beach I showed you, but she's at home miserable, am I actually going to have fun? Any guys know that feeling where wifey isn't too happy and you're doing something fun? Probably not going to work, right? And then finance is actually last on my list. Why? Because if I take care of that first block, I realize how little time I have for the last one. Yet I have big aspirations from the financial freedom investment perspective and building something. So mapping it out and having discipline around what my schedule will look like gives me the ultimate freedom to do the things that I want to do. So you have a system, you have a schedule, you just maybe don't have a schedule. Maybe that's what your schedule is, or maybe that's what your system is, is not having a system. So just be thoughtful about that. Thank you for dropping all that in the YouTube comments, Monica. The replay will be available on YouTube as well too. Let me just click back to the last slide here so that if anybody wants to get a copy of this, just go to justinconico.com slash resources. I'll send you the slide deck. The reason I actually like doing these on Fridays is I'd love for you to go through the 12 disciplines of execute or of extreme ownership and send me feedback. Come find me on IG, send me a DM. I actually run my own account. I make a point of responding to every single message. I take way more phone calls than I probably should, but I want you all to win. I have gotten more from these sessions than anybody, I promise you. Every time I ideate, every time I get to hear from all these speakers, it makes me a better human being. So I wanna thank all of you for being part of my team. And I wanna thank all of you for being a leader in my life because you made me better by proximity. We're still early on in all of our journeys, but we'll be better together. Appreciate you all for being on the live stream. Let's head back over to Clubhouse. I know 6.15 was kind of a floating time. I'm good till whenever, Glenn, or if we wanna hand it over to somebody else, I'm also good with that. You let me know, brother. Yeah, brother. Well, Stephen Kuhn is ready to take the mic when you're ready to hand it over. Uh, incredible, incredible, incredible stuff, Justin. I love what you deliver every single time. It's so consistent. 
Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.